Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast in which two films with something in common go head-to-head to see which film does it better. On this episode, in the red corner, I pity the fool who's going up against this movie. It's 1984's The Toughest Man in the World. Because the toughest man in the world is the one who knows the right way to go. The toughest man in the world. And in the blue corner, it's going to be nice until it's time not to be nice from 1989. It's Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze is dumb. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. Roadhouse. So what is the connection and which film will be victorious? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. What up, fight fans? Welcome to Clash of the Titles. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm Chris Tilly. Yes, we have two movies going up against each other. The Toughest Man in the World and Roadhouse. Chris Tilly picked them. The Connection, then. Mmm, The Connection, guys. I actually realised The Connection was a bit more specific than I thought going into the rewatch. So, Did you just think it was big men take their tops off? <laughs> there is an element of that. It's a strong connection. Strong. <laughs> That's half my movie collection. <laughs> um, no, what was it then, guys? Okay, Vicky, do you want to have a go first? Um, I think we've got it. I, yeah, I, I think I've got ugh. it. Bouncers taking care of business. Pretty no, good. That is what yep. it is. I what? think that's it. That is it, right? Yep. Yeah, well, I can go a bit more specific, but what 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 about you, Alex? I think I've gone even more specific, yep. but mine's tenuous. Okay. So you do yours, and I'll tell you what my weird well, one is. I thought it was just two bouncer movies, but it's two philosophizing bouncers. I wasn't expecting yeah. that going into Toughest Man because with Roadhouse, you've got the spiritual Zen 
philosophizer. Well, he's got a philosophy degree from NYU, <laughs> no less, because he wants to learn about, you know, man's purpose and that shit, and I'm quoting directly. <laughs> and, and with Toughest Man, it's more philosophical life lessons, practical life lessons he's giving to the younger generation. Because that's what Mr. T does. Yeah. That and so help philosophy, and not so, like yeah, it was philosophy. A bit more specific. Why? Where were you coming from, Alex? Right, well, I was like, okay, it's bouncers looking after nightclubs who also, well, I hadn't touched on the philosophy thing. I was going to claim I had, but no, that would be a lie. The philosophy thing is new to me however <laughs> I did go ah there's another thing if we assume that the toughest man in the world starring Mr. T who plays B.A. Baracus in the A-Team is actually autobiographical to a certain extent yeah. he as B.A. Baracus is afraid of flying and in Roadhouse Patrick Swayze goes I don't fly. Oh, yeah. It's too dangerous. <laughs> so it's two people who saw of, <laughs> if you blur the line, are both afraid of flying. Uh, I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. It's strong. So you gave me toughest man in the world, didn't you? I did. Yeah. yeah and you didn't seem happy about <laughs> that last it. week. <laughs> this week I was given 1984's The Toughest Man in the World, in which Mr. T plays simultaneously a bouncer at a nightclub and a youth centre worker. And uh, do you know what? It was rubbish. He called the toughest man in the world. It's the one who knows the right way to go. The toughest man in the world. I need to know right now before we begin, like how I, I can only assume you've picked this because this is so high on your nostalgia radar. Yeah, let me... I can briefly go into my reasons for choosing uh, that film. Um, we are... Well, I'm an older person. And uh, back in the day, we didn't have cable television. We didn't have streaming services. But in our childhood, all three of us, we had videos. Pull we up had, a chair, kids. We had... <laughs> I'm so sick of this. I am not even 38 years old. I know, you're the younger one. I'm the oldest one here. I'll, I'll be honest about that. But yeah, we had videos that we could record stuff off the telly. But I don't know about you, but when I was younger, sometimes bits of films would get recorded. I wouldn't get the whole films. And I'd only, I only had like eight videos, so they'd get watched over and over again. It was either watch Pebble Mill or Crossroads <laughs> or watch that VHS again. And so I had about half an hour of the toughest man in the world recorded I got watched over and over and over again and so when I thought about doing maybe bounces as a subject I thought well, this is a great excuse can we just can we just establish you had a very different childhood to me because I had lots of bits of shows recorded on VHS but the show was the red shoe diaries and the video cassettes were hidden in my loft <laughs> I'm talking about when I was five. Oh, right, 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 right. Sorry. I'm five I, years old, I, you I dirty old man. Well, I don't know. You matured fast, <laughs> didn't you? And so, yeah, it was a chance for me uh, to, to go and see if this film is as good as I remembered. Nope. Sorry. And also for us to do a deep dive on these two sort of 1980s icons right, as well. Right. Let's stop there because I've never been as angry as I was watching that movie. Okay, I'm I'm disappointed because I actually quite enjoyed it. Vicky, while tell at the me same time it. thinking Vicky. it was, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I enjoyed it while at the same time thinking, oh, this is this is quite bad. But I'm just, did you not find it was like watching an hour and a half of a government safety <laughs> video? You know the one that's like, don't play near pylons. It's yeah. that, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they have a name for these in America: after school specials. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's just establish like the semblance of plot in this. By the way. Straight to TV movie, and I'm making a rule right now. From here on in, on <laughs> no this podcast, more. we have to have films that got a theatrical release. No more straight. But that's no. half the films on my list. Right, well, I've got to get rid of. And now. that is why I'm putting the rule in place. <laughs> so, Mr. T plays Bruce Brubaker, 
a ridiculous name and a waste as well because he basically just plays Mr. T. He's a bouncer at a nightclub, but he also runs a youth club for troubled teens and he makes them play basketball and it's all it's all going so well until he realises that they've got no money left and he has to get some money to fund the youth club. Now, to get money to fund a youth club, it turns out you need a licence, <laughs> you need to be registered, you need accreditation. The antagonist for 70% of this film is bureaucracy. <laughs> I've, got it, I've got that written down. <laughs> Mr T hates bureaucracy. I wrote it down three times. I didn't realise how much bureaucracy there was in this children's film. I actually quite liked it from the standpoint of working for it. I work for an actual charity. So I enjoyed those things. I was like, this is what it's like. Funny that you would show that on telly, but good for me. <laughs> he goes back to City Hall in an attempt to meet the deputy mayor to get his licence and be registered as a charity. This is a major plot point in this film. He returns and there's a slimeball guy and he goes, I'm sorry, you can't see the deputy mayor today. And Mr T keeps coming back. He keeps getting sent to other places. It's uh, like... to, the, to the school board, to the district councilman, to Parks and Rec... And this is all the Department of Social Services that's yep. happening, yep. which is really exciting for a six-year-old to watch. <laughs> what sort of child were you? Um, no, this section wasn't on the video I had recorded. Christ- I didn't, I Christopher, didn't... do you want some G.I. Joe or do you want a binder? Now, I thought this was one of the best scenes in the film, though, when he's in and out of that office. That's saying something, isn't it? Let me give you an idea of why it's not the best thing in the film. Because eventually the guy goes, oh, you're back again to see the deputy mayor. And Mr. T's like, I am. And he's like, well... You're going to have to wait. And Mr. T, at this point, you're like, this is the point where Mr. T is going to be Mr. T. He's going to pin him up against the wall by his lapels and he's going to be like, I ain't waiting, sucker. I'm seeing the deputy man now. But when the guy goes, I'm afraid you have to wait, Mr. T goes, this is Mr. T goes, I came prepared and holds up a packed lunch. And then the next scene is a montage of him eating sandwiches and apples while he waits to see the deputy mayor. This is a movie that I had to watch. I'm fucking furious. <laughs> but that ties in with his philosophy in oh, this dear. story because he believes in tact and diplomacy rather than going in first with his fist. And he might doesn't do. believe in child safeguarding policies. Like, he doesn't have a licence to look after children. That's a really serious matter. And the teacher woman's like, well, the city has a very closed mind about these things. Well, still, it fucking should. <laughs> you can't leave a man in charge of children, vulnerable children, I might add, just because he likes it. That is not how it works. Yeah, he seems bewildered by yeah. the idea that there might need to be some form of management in place to register what he's doing. Do you know why? It's because he can't read. So... What, why, so why? He's so never, he, he never learned about that stuff. A CRB check because he He can't. never learned about that stuff. But you're saying we didn't get angry, Mr. T, in that scene. But in the very next scene, he screams out, I've been social, now I'm going to get some services. And kicks down a door and gets arrested. Yeah. But it wasn't locked. That was the other thing I thought. I mean, continuity is not this film's strongest point, perhaps. But the door <laughs> wasn't locked. So you don't need to kick it down. You need to kick it open. You're missing the point of Mr. T, though. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to talk about the nightclub that he works in. Can we? Faces nightclub. Faces, yeah. What yep. the fuck sort of club is that? Uh, <laughs> there's questions, it's like isn't there? someone's doing like some avant-garde dancing. Dressed I thought it was like sexy a, aerobics. Or a sexy robot, maybe. And then that woman from Acorn Antiques scurries across the dance floor. <laughs> I mean, what's happening? Whatever. So I couldn't work it out either. I think they were basically going, it's a, it's a strip club. But also, it's not because this is a Mr. T yeah, movie. So no, no one, takes their, no one totally. takes their clothes off. But that woman 
who does interpretive dance mm-hmm. to experimental synth jazz. She does. <laughs> yeah. And yet her husband, which is worth mentioning because it's the first fight we get, oh, yeah. where her husband comes in and treats her like she's stripping. Yeah. This is a movie that doesn't quite know what it is. He's like, you get off that stage. It's like, she's doing interpretive dance Leave to synth alone. jazz. Yeah. That's no, a- no harm in it. It's art, actually. Yeah. Dickhead. Although someone does undress, Mr. T undresses when he has a, I presume, a minor, Billy, who I'll call Billy the Kid, <laughs> in his apartment. And he's like, you can live with me now, son, which is very, very problematic. Yep. And then instantly takes his top off. For a man who is so flippant about being registered as a youth worker. Oh, yes. <laughs> and is yeah. so open to inviting a child to live with him. Yeah. The bit where he screams at Billy the Kid when he finds it, get out of my apartment. It's like, you should get out of his apartment. <laughs> I, you should not be living with that man. I felt like it was a weird trend. Of... I'm going to work out now in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> what can you bench, Billy? <laughs> oh, no. This doesn't make you feel uncomfortable, does it? No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I have nowhere else to go, so I'm kind of stuck here. You don't need to pay rent. There's other ways we can figure this out. I do feel like much better films than this from this era did seem to have a trope of of older men hanging out with kids in a way that was never quite explained. Yeah, I wonder why that is. So you had, you know, what was, what was Marty McFly doing spending all that time with Doc Brown and Daniel LaRusso and Miyagi spending all that time together? Like... Don't sully the good name of Back <laughs> to the Future. I just think I just think and 84 to kids. 85 was a weird time for screenwriters thinking that all kids do is hang out with old people. John P. Navin is the actor who plays Billy. He looks like an 80s artful dodger. He does. I put that. Or Peaky Blinder. Yes. <laughs> there were some interesting behind-the-scenes things, though. Did you notice it was produced by Goober and Peters? No. The men who went on to make uh, the Batman movies. John Peters, oh, really? giant mechanical spider. John Peters John, yeah. produced this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, the man who wanted a giant mechanical That's spider. That's because I was squinting over the credits, being this. This can't be it. Like I, this isn't right, is it? And and doing my research on this one, I discovered that um someone involved in this film actually i wrote about in my dissertation when i did my masters oh that's nice yes <laughs> i didn't know you had a masters the guy i actually right now i would rather talk about that dissertation <laughs> than this movie can we do that i'm glad you asked it was about the uh, the history of the british horror film industry and the man that wrote this film uh, in the 50s wrote a lot of hammer horrors movies he did he wrote the curse of frankenstein dracula the mummy yeah that completely shocked me when i saw that the other day why? Because they were good and this isn't. <laughs> no, they're just so different. Yeah. Good yeah. and not good. Yeah. One's a film, one's not a film. One, one has an antagonist that isn't paperwork. <laughs> we, we've come this far without talking about the toughest man in the world contest. Oh, okay. who wants to say his name? Because truly... Oh my God, it's brilliant. <laughs> Tanker Weems, which sounds like a name when you hear, the response should be, does he? Oh, it's like yeah, it's like the Jeremy Hunt culture secretary. So who is who is Tanker Weens? I don't know. Um, he's the toughest man dude. in the world. Yeah. Uh, three but times defending champion. What he's not is an actor. Uh, <laughs> he's a he's a, uh, he's a former marine. He's a former lumberjack, and he's a Canadian footballer, not an American footballer, a Canadian footballer. Tanker Weems is uh, an interesting person. He's really angry about something, but that's never delved into. Steroids will make you angry. Yes. And I think it's fair to say he's taken a fair amount of Tanker's yeah, taken a fair amount. Over the years. <laughs> he's been juicing. I mean, look, he eventually comes to life in the final big fight of the movie. Can I just ask, Chris, what was... There's one stunt in it where a bus crashes through a doorway <laughs> in a warehouse 
And I watched that and I thought about you at that point. I thought about little you on his feet going, yay, because that's the stunt in the film. Was that the case? No, I don't know if I had that bit of the film on the tape. I don't remember that bit. <laughs> Have you watched it again? For this I, I, um, well, we're building up to the, what I was going to talk about. So, uh, And then I could explain. <laughs> really? But, Is this a build-up right now? The, the Toughest Man in the World contest. Right. Which I didn't realise until until doing my research this week is a real thing. Explain that to get the money in the end after bureaucracy is written off as an antagonist, the new antagonist becomes Tanker Weems and to get the money, $100,000, and basically uh, make sure that the youth centre uh, doesn't close, he has to go up against Tanker Weems in this competition and win. Yeah, and so... Um... We get a training montage because he's preparing for the the big um, contest, which involves um, uh, what does it involve? It uh, involves running over a running over a wall. Well, well no, yeah, there's an obstacle course. <laughs> yeah. is it there looked not? like dressage. It looked like crufts. Like there was little <laughs> ornamental hedges in the obstacle course, like they were dogs. It's kind of like a cross between World's Strongest Man and Gladiators. I was annoyed I, when we got to the montage because I was waiting for it. We're building up to it. And then it's like, it made me, when is a montage not a montage? Is it when it's 20 minutes long? <laughs> and then <laughs> is it just a series of very short scenes? Yeah, it's just in a car. It's him in a car park and doing some press-ups. <laughs> um, Trying to pretend he can't run over a wall. Like he's a very strong man and that's the big obstacle, like the thing that he mentally needs that, to overcome. Can't yeah, he has, to, he has to climb over a wall as part of it. And, and we're told he was a very um, successful Marine. Yes. Now, I think in the Marines... In training, you have to climb over walls. <laughs> I think when you're out in battle, there might be the odd wall you have to climb over. And it's not even that big a wall. No, it's not. So, so yeah, we'll get to that. But I didn't realise that it's a real thing. There was There's this competition called the Toughest Bouncer in America that um, Mr. T uh, in the late 70s won two years in a row. And the casting director of Rocky Three saw him on that, and that's how he got the part in Rocky Three. Oh, I heard it was actually Sylvester Stallone who saw him on it. No, it was the casting director. Right. Because I, I watched an interview with her. Sylvester Stallone is meant to have, have watched it and seen him saying, I just feel sorry for the guy who has to box me, because there's a boxing element to it. And that's where the line, I pity the fool, came from. That's right. But I also watched a bunch of Mr. T interviews on YouTube. And over the years, he's changed where I pity the fool comes from. Has he really? Yes, he's claimed it's from a, a jazz singer uh, in the 70s who sang a song using that line that he nicked it from. And he's also claimed that the words fool and pity come up a lot in the Bible. And so he put them together to make his catchphrase because he respects God. That he does, yeah. Can I ask a question? Hmm. The toughest man in the world competition, the real one, hmm. are you allowed to win it by throwing tomato ketchup and pickles at someone? <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> and smashing them over the head with a wedding cake. Well, I, I did find somewhere... Uh, see, I couldn't find any footage of the real contest, but in one... Right oh, Chris, up, sorry. It's not going to involve that. <laughs> um, but they do say it involved dwarf tossing was part of the the, the toughest bouncer in the world contest. Oh, right. Um, but somewhere else it said it involved throwing stuntmen as well, mm -hmm. um, but not food. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to jump in. I think the point she was trying to make was just how freaking ridiculous that final fight in the film is. It's a fight where... Just to explain, so they're meant to, Mr. T and Tanker Weems are meant to go head-to-head -head in the final in a fight, in a boxing match, to see which one wins. That fight doesn't happen. There's a plot with some mafia dudes who want 
Tanker Weems to win, so they're going to try and drug Mr. T, so they get him to come to this warehouse where they say they've kidnapped Billy, and then a fight breaks out. A fight involving foodstuffs Mm -hmm. and pillowcases full of feathers. And a bus full of children. Someone says, there's a warehouse full of gangsters over there. <laughs> Let's crash a bus full of kids well, into it, it and they can get stuck in. <laughs> it's because the, the gangsters' uh, cover is a restaurant supply store. Because so there were so it. many tables all laid out in that warehouse. Yeah. I thought it was someone doing a really cheap wedding. I was like, <laughs> yeah. this is an awful wedding reception they're ruining. There's a, lot, there's a lot of balsa wood in this film. But yeah, it's mustard, ketchup, crisps, olives... Popcorn and gherkins. What it, mm-hmm. what, it, what it takes to make Tanker Weems finally snap <laughs> mm. is getting a bit of food on him. <laughs> he gets a bit of food on him and he's had it with Bruce Brubaker yep. and Mr. T and yep. he goes at him and they have a fight and it ends with the toughest man in the world, Tanker Weems, <laughs> being knocked unconscious <laughs> by a sponge cake. <laughs> That's how it ends. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm weird. I can't. I'm weirded out that you're saying you don't like this. Like, what is not to like about that sentence? Because I they're... wasn't angry at you when I was watching it. I was just completely, completely bewildered. <laughs> and I thought you were going to come in here today with answers, <laughs> and you're bringing nothing. So I'm getting to my answer now because <laughs> we've gone all around the house. Sorry, we do need to establish that if that was the end, just him being knocked out was just the end of that fight. But at that point. Mr. T goes, I'm going to go collect my winnings and walks off to collect £100,000. Now, we've already established the rules of the toughest man in the world competition are pretty vague. However, I don't think a fight in a warehouse (laughs) with no adjudicators from the company there is going to count as a win. If you don't show up, you forfeit. And he has been arrested, Tanker Weed. Therefore, Mr. T, sorry, Bruce, can go and pick up his winnings. That is established early on, actually, to be fair. So, let me explain. The the one thing I think is bad about this film. (laughs) The only only thing. So, um, the best scene for me in the film is they keep uh, repeating the fact that Mr. T, (laughs) Bruce, can't get over this wall. And so when, (laughs) before the climax... He's trying to get up this wall in the obstacle course and he can't do it and he can't do it. And then it all goes into slow motion. He takes a few steps back and he runs straight through the brick wall. Can't be in the rules that that's all right. So I think that's when the tape ran out on my video as a kid. I thought that was the ending of the film. And it's a very exciting ending that has stayed with me. And so having to watch the uh, food fight finale, <laughs> um, I realised it's not as good a film as I thought it was. No there, is, there is one bad thing about it, and it's that. It's that it, you're right, it's a complete anticlimax. You should It should be the other way around, and you either have the big fight in the ring or you have him running through a brick wall. Right. I mean, I do agree that, you know, the fight should take place in the ring. You know, with a crowd there. Yeah, it's like Rocky Five. Right. When he fights Tommy Gunn in, a, in an alley and you're like, this ain't, this ain't Rocky. This ain't Rocky, mate. <laughs> and in terms of not, not revisiting stuff from your past, I was kind of weirded out by the um, sex worker uh, subplot in this Did, film. Are you looking at me? <laughs> yeah. Because you, you, know, you told me not to say prostitute, that it's sex worker. Well done, Chris. But Learning the, and growing. I am. Uh, the sex worker subplot. I asked you to, sorry, because that does sound aggressive. <laughs> I didn't tell you to I wasn't it. expecting that, though, with uh, Jimmy's mum. What? I thought the way Mr. T dealt with it was yeah. uh, fascinating when he's got Billy in his apartment. Billy, sorry, yeah. And then the first thing he says, going, you can sleep here. He's like, so, your mum has a lot of visitors. Mm. It's like, and Billy goes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what of it? <laughs> do you want to actually ask the question directly or be really weird about it? And Mr. Yep. T goes, 
I want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's it. It's never really touched on again. Doesn't, doesn't Billy say she's getting too old and the competition's getting too hot? I know, yeah. cheeky little fucker, giving his mum sass. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, again, six-year-old me, that went that went way over my head. As it should, Chris, to be fair. <laughs> mm. There's also, did, did you know that there's a, did you spot a very successful director is in this film? Yes, Dennis Duggan. Is that the, uh, yeah. The, Dick. The, a, Adam Sandler. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't figure out where I recognised him from because he has got quite, I feel like quite a recognisable face and he cameos in most of Adam Sandler films. He does and he directed. And that's because he directed all. Yeah. I mean, this guy's made a lot of money. He directed. Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, You Don't Mess With The Zohan, Jack and Jill, Grown Ups, and Grown Ups 2. <laughs> he said, audiences that go to my movies don't want a message. They don't want my soul exposed or my life view. They just want to laugh. So you're three for three on failure. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. I'm just being. Yeah. I'm just being a dick. Happy Anything Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore second is a great best, movie. Second best golf comedy. I don't mind Big Daddy either. That's it. Um, but we. Uh, it's nice to see where he learned his trade, though. Mr. T is. Great. Like, I, this isn't about Mr. T being anything other than great. I remember the A-Team. He wasn't my favourite, you know. Who was your favourite? Dwight oh. Schultz, Murdoch, mm. without a doubt. Why would you even need to ask that question? <laughs> is it obvious? <laughs> it's so obvious. <laughs> I thought he'd say face man. No. No, okay. No, although I did like the A-Team car, which was incredibly underused, the white Corvette. I had a toy of that. Now... So Mr. T, at this point in his life, was an icon already. He was a big deal. And I love this sort of, I want to do good. You know, I'm a hard man, but I want to do good. He did that be somebody or be somebody's fool actual promotional help video for kids. And the advice he gives, he cast his net very wide. <laughs> he had advice like how to control their anger. Fine. How to deal with peer pressure. Good. How to dress fashionably without buying designer labels. All right. And finally, how to make tripping up look like breakdancing. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and, and that same year, he released um, an album, uh, Mr. T's Commandments. And a song from that actually does kick off this film. I thought I could hear his dulcet tones. <laughs> would, would you like to hear a, a snatch of it? Oh, yeah. You have a shot if you have got what it takes to break away because the toughest man in the world is the one who knows the right way to go. Enough of that. Yeah. Um, what's not liked about what's not to like about that? Are you actually asking it seriously? <laughs> I don't know. I just think a lot of thoughts got into this. Here's an idea for a better film. <laughs> um, Mr. T's funding is cut off, rightly, because of child protection issues. Anyway, he needs to raise the money to keep the youth club going. Guess what? He's just met. He's met a thief. I just thought, hey, you need money. You've just met a thief. Could go down that path. Well, I do wonder if they were planning a series of these or maybe even a, a TV show spin-off like this was a backdoor pilot. Like a government safety commercial. And yet thing. there was yeah. only one. Every cloud. <laughs> <laughs> I did learn something, though. I always thought that Nick the Greek was something Guy Ritchie made up for Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. And now I don't know what it is. <laughs> like Nick the Greek, when they call Billy because yeah. he's really good with numbers, they're yeah. like, hey, he's a regular Nick the Greek. Yeah. It's based on a famous gambler in the 40s and 50s called Nick Dandelos, a Greek guy ah. who was a professional gambler and won millions and lost millions over the course of his life, but he was very good at gambling. So that's where Nick the Greek comes from so the whole it's a deal it's a steal it's the side of the fucking century is actually related to a real life person not just uh, Jason Fleming being brilliant 
<laughs> and Billy, Billy Green also says uh, that his nickname, he says, they call me the dude. So I wonder if the Coen brothers watch this. I think this has been a, a more influential film than you'll give it credit for. You think? I, I will say I like Mr. T. We have a connection. We both uh, existed on UK TV at the same time counting down hilarious internet videos. <laughs> I did oh, Root Tube. <laughs> He did the world's craziest falls, but there's no animosity. I didn't see it as competition. I just I well, saw it as a friend. Your one stood the test of time much more than his. Is that true? You don't. You, I don't see. I don't see his show on the telly anymore. Yeah, exactly. Can't escape your well, bloody one because he probably <laughs> got repeat fees. So, uh, <laughs> so that's why they'd have to Shout pay out him. To your agent. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's too true to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Anything else? No, I mean, I think we could probably literally move on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I mean, I can't help but feel this is a really one-sided episode because you know what we're talking about now? We're talking about Roadhouse. I'm excited. The second best film of the week. I watched Roadhouse, a movie from the late 80s starring Patrick Swayze set against an evocative blues-inflected soundtrack. Sadly, no dancing, but there is a lot of kickboxing, which is kind of the same as dancing until Patrick Swayze starts ripping people's throats out. (laughs) (laughs) If somebody gets in your face... I want you to be nice. Don't, don't be rude. Ask him to walk, but be nice. Until it's time 
to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. Roadhouse. So I was a bit nervous of this because I, I hadn't seen it. And had you not seen it? No. Oh my God, you must have had the best week in your entire life. <laughs> I mean, I mean... I didn't hate it. I d- yeah, talking to you guys after the last show. You look so disappointed. You're like, you, you, you have seen it. I was like, you'd, no, of course you'd I never haven't. seen it. You'd seen it quite recently. Yeah, uh, a few years ago. Yeah. And I hadn't seen it since 1989. Yeah. So we're all coming at it from quite different directions here. By when this was made, Dirty Dancing had, had already taken over $200 million. So And that was a lot of money back then. <laughs> so Patrick Swayze was like, hot stuff. Yeah. The, yes. the original the, when they first released it, the tagline was "The dancing is over. Now it's time to get dirty." So they I were mean, really selling that's, off that's the back. That's really strong. Yeah, Clever. I like that. That would have had me queuing outside the cinema. <laughs> so Patrick Swayze is uh, Dalton. Mm-hmm. He's the best in the business. He's, he's a cooler. He's a cooler at a club in New York. The overarching plot is going to be he is going to be tempted away from that club to go to a sort of rundown low down sleazy bar in a town called Jasper somewhere in the Missouri. south Missouri well, where is Missouri uh, Midwest America somewhere <laughs> anyway that doesn't matter so there's going to be a scene obviously to show off his skill as a bouncer in order to set up that he's good enough to be poached to go to the double juice in Jasper I and I get that and I love the pace it's at the start it's like you're on page probably six and it's like done you're going to go to Jasper but I was distracted because the fight that starts it all off to show us what a badass Patrick Swayze is does a man kick a girl in the face? <laughs> I'm sorry, can you say that again? Can you say that again, Vicky? I can't. I wrote it down. I was like, okay, I, I'm going to say it because it's just the body part and it doesn't matter what I think. I, can, I whole... didn't catch it at the end. What did you say? I think a man yep. which is very troubling. Yeah. In order to get, he's getting into a fight with his girlfriend and I think he kicks her. No, it's gone again. You've gone again. I'm really going to need you to say that last word. Oh, um, I, I really need you to say it. But does he? He does not. He kicks <laughs> right. It looks like he kicks her in the fanny. But just to clarify, that's not my words. That's I'm what glad. Vicky was I'll saying. Say it. Look, that I'll said say it. It. It's all right. Does he kick her in the fanny? No, uh, I he, think he does. He kicks the stool between her legs and it's not his girlfriend. I presume, although granted, this whole scene is very weird. He puts a $100 bill on the table and she stabs it with a scalpel that she? she pulls from nowhere mm, and he gets weird. angry at that i thought the assumption was she was a sex worker or someone he was assuming was a sex worker oh okay and then she's not and then it kicks her in the family <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i can't believe you enjoy that so much i thought you'd be outraged i was outraged but you know it's, it's um, i'm a complicated woman <laughs> So he's recruited by the owner of the Double Deuce and he agrees very quickly <laughs> to go somewhere else. Um, and While he's stitching up a knife oh, wound yeah, while himself. he's stitching up his own shoulder. And while creepy Kevin Ty is the guy Ooh, who recruits him. so creepy. How is he a good guy in this? Because he's like... It's mm, so weird. Have you seen... I thought, um, you'd be, I thought you'd be bigger. Have you seen Foxcatcher? So you know Steve Carell's character in Foxcatcher? Yes. Right? Mm. So it's based on a real man. And he is the creepiest... Puts, I mean, it's a very good performance, but like puts your teeth on edge instantly. And I was like, oh, here he is running a nightclub. <laughs> Strange. Not just any nightclub, though, because no. the double juice, the minute we see the double juice, man, that bar looks like a whole lot of fun. It's like bar fights and craziness and rock music. It's I was disappointed the... it wasn't called The Roadhouse because in my head yeah. from 1989, it was called The Roadhouse. Yeah, that would make um, The double sense. juice, though, that means uh, when you throw two twos, when you're throwing dice. But a deuce also means a poo in America. Does it? Yeah, I'm going for a deuce. Oh. And like a number Good two. To know. So Good this, to know. this, the bar could actually mean double poo. It's a little 
That's, little fun fact for you. It's great. And when Sam Elliott gets out of his car, he goes, the double douche. <laughs> and I'm like, can he not read or is he doing a joke? And I think he's doing a joke where he's, he's like, it's just another bar to Sam Elliott. Yeah. I don't respect this nope. place. On the I'm long highway of his life. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we spent too long establishing what a shithole this bar is. Like, there's like, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> it goes on for a long time. And all the men are beery, sweaty, gross, um, awful men. And all the women are fucking gorgeous. It doesn't make a bit of sense. Like, basically every single woman in that place is a stunner. And every single man, apart from Patrick Swayze, obviously, is awful. Well, have you ever been in a bar brawl? I, oh, I used Wait, to... what? Um... <laughs> See, I knew it'd be her and not you. <laughs> the, yes, is the answer. Have you really? I was working behind the bar. Um, and I turned around to get something and when I turned back, it was like a classic Western, like two warring families or something were throwing glass. Oh my God, I've just remembered another one. I've been lulled. So there was just glasses flying everywhere. I had to duck down behind the bar. We had a panic button. I pressed the panic button and then the landlady set her dog on them. And that's how that got resolved. The police didn't come. And then the second one, before the World Cup last year, we were gonna we wanted to watch England and we went into the scariest pub in Lewisham. We were like, it's gonna be fine because it's like it's the World Cup. There's gonna be loads of different, you know, it's not just gonna be the normal clientele. Mm. And we went there, and then again I turn around and this glass just went flying past my cheek. And it was the barmaid throwing glasses back into the crowd because someone had given her some attitude. And she was picking, you know, like missiles because she's got all the glasses in the pub at her disposal. And she was just going bang, bang, bang and just chucking them across well, the pub. That's how you establish how cool someone is because the minute in this movie where Dalton is standing in the double juice and the first fight breaks out and a bottle gets thrown directly at him. Yeah, and he doesn't move. He just moves his head ever so slightly. I tell you what, I would have moved more, but a man in that bar fight pushed me out of the way to run into the women's toilets. Because I was like, well, I'll move. <laughs> Hello, <it's> Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Safest place to be in a bar fight. <laughs> Hello, girls. How are you doing? <laughs> God, I'll protect you. Really... you. Yeah. And this bar, however, uh, is explained to us, just so we get an idea of how much trouble the double juice is, Patrick Swayze gathers the team together and goes, we've got too many 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. Like I said, best bar ever. I, the, I agree with you. When he said power drinks, I was like, ooh, they sound fun. <laughs> Where are they? I'm like, the trustees of modern <laughs> chemistry. I, there was one patron in particular I, I was interested to get your opinion on. Okay. Uh, the, the chap who invites another couple of chaps over. Oh, the one who pimps out his partner? Yeah. I don't, what can I say? Like, what, what is there to say uh, apart from that's terrible and... I thought it was going to go somewhere. I feel bad for her. It didn't I thought she's like maybe she was. If she's in on it, that's fine. If it's, she's, but the yeah. alternative is he's a pimp. Yes, that's what um, I've written down. In, in the credits, oh. they don't have names. Those characters. He's called Sharing Husband. Oh, there you go. What? See, told you, not a pimp. <laughs> and and she's called Well Endowed Wife. Jesus so, Christ. Um, and she's played by an actress called Cheryl Baker. Was she? Which was a surprise. Wow. And not, again, an not, absolute knockout gorgeous woman with this terrible, terrible man. I, yeah. I watched this film with the uh, commentary on uh, by Rowdy Harrington, the director. And in that scene, he says quite angrily, obviously, I didn't write this scene. Rowdy Harrington? Yeah. I mean, he didn't write any of it, but he seemed, <laughs> he seemed quite ashamed of it. He seemed embarrassed of this scene. Don't shoot it then. <laughs> um, now... Let's talk about how Dalton is introduced because everyone is like, we need to establish very early on that Dalton is this badass, which is done in the opening scene, but it's also done in reputation alone. When he arrives at the double deuce, 
uh, people are like, oh, my God, that's Dalton. That's Dalton. That's Dalton. Real name, James Dalton. Uh, you can see it on his medical records in the hospital. So Terry Funk, who plays Morgan, who's the big burly, legendary wrestler, Terry Funk, plays the big burly guy who has the line, balls big enough to come in a dump truck. No, to fill a dump truck. No, it's to come in a dump truck. D- does it matter? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. No, it's balls big enough to come in a dump truck. Interestingly, I looked it up because I was like, that's disgusting and graphic, but it's actually C-O-M-E. Of course it fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I honestly thought it was like, it was a suggestion about... Fluid filling a dump truck. Yeah, I thought that as well. Thanks. I but then I thought he'd said fill a dump truck, so that's why I thought that. Yeah, no, it was come in a dump truck. I'm probably not going to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think when you ever would. <laughs> I don't know. But he also goes, and this is why this is why Dalton is such a badass, because Terry Funk, he also says, you don't look like much to me. And Dalton's reply, you're thinking, here comes a put down. <laughs> His reply is, Opinions vary. <laughs> that's, that's how much of a badass he is. He doesn't even need a funny put down. No, he doesn't. He doesn't say much, to be honest, for most of the film. Yeah, he doesn't need to. When he's doing Tai Chi topless by the waterfront and a lot of men are looking at him. Yeah, they are. It's amazing how many men look at Dalton with kind of like, oh my God, I mm-hmm. wish I was him eyes. Yeah, I wrote down film filled with dudes looking at dudes with their shirts off. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of homoeroticism in this film. That scene where he's doing Tai Chi at the waterfront, Brad Wesley, the evil guy, is on his quad bike at the other side of the lake gazing at him, and then Emmett, the bearded farmer hillbilly type who Dalton rents his very unsecure room from, <laughs> is, um, like looks, <laughs> looks at Dalton doing Tai Chi and runs his hand through his mm. hair like... Oh, God. Yeah, you can't bear it. <laughs> but at that time in Hollywood, there seemed to be a gay subtext to a lot of the action films from like Rocky Three, Top Gun, Commando, Tango and Cash, right the way through to Point Break. Like it seemed to be bubbling under all these films. Well, for... that's because, is that not because it wasn't allowed to bubble over? So you had to put it somewhere. Early on, someone says to Dalton, I've always wanted to try you. I think I can take you. Um, we keep hearing the ongoing line, I, I repeating line, I thought you'd be bigger. And then there's the slightly more direct one where Jimmy goes, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> now, Less why didn't he subtle? Less subtle. I don't understand why he didn't say I used to fuck up guys like you because in prison. He but he's big No, he doesn't, does he? No. No. What? Doesn't. That wouldn't work then. He means I, I used to have sex with men like you in prison because I'm the badass in prison who has sex with guys like you. Yeah. And the villain in his trophy room says the only thing missing here is your ass. When I started watching this film, I didn't think it would end with a scene where someone gets squashed by a taxidermied polar bear. I just didn't think that's where it was going to go. And then rather than move, shoots it several times <laughs> as it's falling on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of going back to Dalton's introduction, though, we learn quite a lot about him um, when he goes to hospital. So when he goes to the hospital and meets his love interest, Kelly Lynch, um, she's sewing him up. She looks through his medical records, as you said, and they would suggest that he's not very good at his job. He's had nine staples, 31 broken bones, two bullet wounds, nine puncture wounds, four stainless steel screws. Which makes her say, do you ever win a fight? (laughs) Yeah. Damning. I don't think it means he's bad at his job because it's around this time he says the most immortal line in the whole of the movie where she goes, does it it not hurt? And he goes, pain don't hurt. 
Yeah, I didn't get that. I thought you were going to say another line at the, in that same scene. He says, "Nobody ever wins a fight." Yeah, that's a good line. Which is a that's yeah. a real thing, yeah, isn't yeah. it? But, but she, he wins loads of fights. <laughs> But, but he, not really. I'd, I'd argue that the guy with his throat missing probably <laughs> is the loser in that fight. So it made me, and it's one of the most iconic scenes from this movie, it made me Google, uh, can you rip out a man's throat? Oh, and? Would you like to know? Yes. There seems to be some debate online as to whether you can or can't. But the most... Well, well, I hear the, uh, the police are at your house now. So <laughs> the, you the most, that's the internet for you, isn't it? Healthy debate about everything. <laughs> that's why they created it. <laughs> the most popular uh, response answer to this question uh, was, you can crush someone's trachea with a moderately strong grip and strength. Tearing human flesh isn't as hard as you think. It's by no means easy, but it's really not impossible. However, that answer did have lots of spelling mistakes, which makes me okay. dubious. And there are throat rips and under siege, blade, John Rambo, Underworld, and Game of Thrones. I wanted to see where else this happened because where's the Game of Thrones one? I, I don't watch it. Oh. I think it involved the big guy, uh, played by oh, Jason Momoa. Yeah, no, I don't know. No, I don't watch. I mean, the throat rip. It's where Kelly Lynch sort of is like she loses interest in him. You know, she uh, Kelly Lynch actually, in her preparation for this film, spent a month hanging out in a real emergency room. Bullshit! <laughs> I've never seen a doctor with so much fucking time off. <laughs> she's, got, she's there all the fucking time. Like, I thought we could go for a drive. I thought we could have a shag. You're supposed to be an emergency room doctor. And at least once she goes to work pissed after two hours sleep. <laughs> yeah, that bit's probably quite realistic, <laughs> to be fair. She gets loads of time off. And then they're like, well, he's like, where's Dr. Doc or whatever he calls her? Doc. She's in the x-ray room and she's just sort of got her glasses on. So now, you know, she's clever and she's just staring at these x-rays like, what the fuck is this? No, she's also, she's also staring at his medical records because they also have his educational history in there. Is that a real what, thing? What else is it? No, it's a dossier that he carries round on himself. Yeah. What the hell else is in there? Uh, Vicky, mm-hmm. let's talk about sex. Okay, Chris. <laughs> okay, so I'll be back in five, ten. How long do you need? Um, so there is there's a, some serious sex moves going on in this film. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the song. Like, <laughs> oh, that song. I mean, do you want to know a weird thing wait, about that song choice? So it's it's. it's I mean, that which, I, it's making it, me very flushed. Like, as in, it's a I sexy God, song to make love to. The mo- what you, song is it? Yeah, you have to say what it oh, is. Sorry, sorry. Um, these arms of mine. Otis, Otis Redding. Redding. You could show two people dry humping in a Weatherspoons to that song and it would be the most erotic thing you'd ever seen in your life. But do you want to know a weird thing about that song choice? <laughs> no, because I love it so much. Two years earlier, they used that song in Dirty Dancing yeah. when he gets together with her, mm-hmm. when they meet up in private in a room. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, there's more than one song. Who knows? Maybe Patrick Swayze has to hear that song to <laughs> really to to get aroused, <laughs> to convince as an aroused man in a sex scene. You know? I thought it works. It would work, work, work for a lot of people. Maybe it makes him do something quite specific because in when I was falling down this sinkhole of research, there's a deleted scene from Dirty Dancing where he does pretty much the same sex move as he does in here, except they stay fully clothed. But it's where she sort of mounts him and he holds her mm-hmm. around his with her legs around his Don't waist. Don't need a mime. <laughs> and, um, and it's identical. It's like, again, like, did someone just watch Dirty Dancing and like copy and paste those? Look, there's a reason Dirty Dancing is so popular and yeah. it is not for its relatively Dirt. frank portrayal of procuring an abortion. <laughs> Bloody hell, I wasn't expecting it to go there. What I will say is, when you wake up from a sex nap, which I do like because he's like, that sex has been so outstanding that she's had to have a small nap because when she wakes up, 
It's not morning. It's still night. No, I think she's in pain because she has no skin on her back because he <laughs> shoved her against a brick wall and pulled her up and down. Like I say, play that song. Do what the fuck you want. Obviously, you're looking at Patrick Swayze and you're thinking of him as a dancer. So there are multiple opportunities in this film for Swayze to dance. Even there's a moment where his girlfriend dances with his best friend, and I'm thinking, why? Get the fuck why up! Are you getting yes! going? I think he's gone out of his way to make sure he doesn't dance. No, I saw an MTV <laughs> special from the time where he literally said, "I did this to prove I could be a badass," because right. he wanted to sort of distance himself. And he from, can. And he can. He also is sexy though, because when uh, the first time we see Patrick Swayze's buttocks in this film is when the waitress. Carrie Ann, who um, really needs to learn how to serve a beer, because one of the beers she serves right at the start is all head. Oh, I saw that, I and that really, really annoyed me. It really was one of the most me. upsetting things. Forget the throat rip, that beer is all head. What a waste. She sees his bottom when she visits his incredibly unsecure house. Oh, yeah. Flat, and literally a cartoon moment. Yeah. She sees his bottom and she goes... She does. She does. It's Homer Simpson seeing a donut. It's like... <laughs> we should talk a little bit about Brad Wesley, the villain, played by the brilliant Ben Gazzara. Um, I'm trying to find... I was trying to figure out what he's up to. His, his, his main thing is shaking down this town. But as far as I can see it, the town has one bar, one store and one car dealership. Four car dealerships. Four car, four car dealerships. Four car dealerships. If there's one thing you can get in this town, it's auto parts and cars. But, but how much money is that amounting to? He's a cracking villain. Yeah, he's a great I really, villain. I really like him in Because he likes to have a good time as well when he's driving his car down the road, <laughs> does listening to his songs and he's got a really passionate opinion about music. He does not like new music. No. He likes bands to play something with balls. <laughs> But um, he then does something later in the film, which, um, talking about being influential, um, he says he's going to kill Dalton's girl or his, or his best friend via the flip of a coin. Yes. Two-Face. Was Christopher Nolan watching this? I mean, it's literally the same thing. It's the same moment. It's weaker than the connection between the two films, but it's, it's a connection. Philosophizing <laughs> bouncers. <laughs> Do you know how it's connected to one of the films we spoke about last week? What did we talk oh, about wait. last week? I think Alex is going to know. Uh, is- yes, I do, actually. Weirdly enough, the same fight coordinator, Bernie Erkowitz. A.K.A. Did- the Jet. A.K.A. the Jet. Yeah, yeah. He did the fight choreography for this movie. He also did the fight choreography for Street Fighter, which we talked about last week. And the fights in this are absolutely fantastic, which proves... What you can do when you have more than thirty minutes to prep a fight scene, <laughs> it's true. which he did on Street Fighter. It's true. He he was a he was a karate expert who had two hundred wins and no losses, and he's the only fighter to have retained six world titles in five weight divisions for twenty four consecutive years. He's a proper Ooh. legend, and uh, he's and Patrick Swayze was a martial artist as well. Um, not as much as he was a dancer. Oh, I thought he did martial arts. Yeah, well. I, I, um, I watched a couple of Patrick Swayze biographies. Okay, and he'd only really done a quiet until... week, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm between jobs, Alex, as you know. But um, no, but he spent a long time training for this. Um, and since then, after that, he he did continue kickboxing. If you ever want to see one of the greatest fights ever in movie history, you need to look at the film Wheels on Meals. Jackie Chan. The <laughs> final fight in that is him and Benny the Jet. And it's one of the greatest fights. Jackie Chan quotes it as his favourite fight of his own fights, and it's worth watching. It's on YouTube. Yeah, Wheels on Meals. Also, watch the whole movie because it's a great Jackie Chan movie. 
Um, it's based on as I as I could find figure it out. It's based on two true stories as well. Roadhouse. What? What? The bounces of Ireland and. Well, in the Roger Ebert review, mm. if you read the whole thing, <laughs> which I did, shut up. <laughs> he, he, he says uh, Roadhouse is is based on an actual case in Missouri where the local bad guy, universally hated by everyone in town, was murdered in broad daylight, and no one in town seems to have seen a thing. And there is a former caller called Norman Storm Cantwell. Um, who, when he gave up bouncing, graduated to a career in professional defence training, incorporating Tai Chi and Eastern philosophy. And he now uh, teaches that in Kansas. The only difference between him and this character is he's completely bald. About 20 minutes into this film, the one thing I was thinking is, what could make this film better? And the only thing I could come up with Nothing. was a monster truck. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, we get a weird sense. subplot it's with so friggin' stupid. Bigfoot. Yep. It's so stupid. <laughs> the bit where the the only stupid bit... No, the monster truck thing <laughs> the is only great. Stupid bit. The <laughs> only stupid bit in this film is where evil Jimmy, I used to fuck guys like in prison, guy, and another of the henchmen are sitting in Bigfoot in the car park yeah. of the Double Deuce and Patrick Swayze and Kelly Lynch walk out and they're meant to be spying on them surreptitiously mm. and Patrick Swayze doesn't go, there's that fucking monster truck. <laughs> I, I want to come back to something you said right at the start of this though, Vicky. Because um, I flip-flopped on this. Do you think they uh, were making a tongue-in-cheek film on purpose? Mm. Um, because certainly in the documentary on the Blu-ray that was made a couple of years ago, they all say, we were in on the joke, it was supposed to be a comedy, this and that, and then I, I'm just not Einstein's so sure. 2020. Exactly, I'm just not sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if everyone was in on the joke or whether this was to be taken No, they were making relatively a Western. Seriously. Well, it depends how seriously you take Westerns. But don't things like the polar bear sequence you described, doesn't that kind of take you out of the movie somewhat? No, because it's set up moments earlier where the dude is like, I hate this room. And you're like, oh, he hates taxidermy. I bet something happens with taxidermy. <laughs> Bang, <laughs> something happens with taxidermy. <laughs> Do you not think that... I don't want to be this person, but it's not enough to have two good-looking people look at each other and then you're like, oh, well, you've got so much chemistry that I completely believe everything that's about to, it's just it's almost enough but it's not enough so when he's going to like get her or rescue oh no that's it he bursts into the x-ray room and she's like I'm looking at x-rays and doing my job one month in the real life ER <laughs> yeah he's like we're going and I just thought what would you two talk about if you were going to go anywhere like what have you two got in common just apart from the fact that you're both incredibly good looking she no. fixes bones he breaks them done moving on oh. yeah and 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 and, <laughs> and being a good looking person myself it doesn't matter <laughs> I just give them one glance and then we're off. And why are you laughing? Sorry, that Vicky. was Vicky. Sorry. Sorry. Come on. Um, do, you want, do you want some bad news now? Uh, is it that we have to talk about the toughest man in the world again? Um, you leave the toughest man in the world alone. Ever. It's probably the best of these two. Um, Dalton is dead. No, the character of Dalton is dead. Oh, is this explained in Roadhouse 2? Yeah, they made a sequel yeah. in which Patrick Swayze did not want to appear. So they killed him off screen. Really? I just think it's unnecessary. In the, in the Roadhouse shared universe, he's gone. And I well, don't have like you it. seen the sequel? Because you've had a quiet week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't that quiet. Um, <laughs> I'll just make a serious point about the Naked Swim. Um, that is, to my eyes, meant to be um, Adam and Eve before the fall. Before the fall of man. So the town has been returned to innocence, and that's why they're naked. Not just because they're both... Skinny uh, dipping. Skinny dipping and really want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, it's Adam and Eve before the fall and they're going to populate the town with their gorgeous babies. Do you think that's what a director called Rowdy was going for? <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad for her because he's obviously like, can you get up from your sex nap 
And please wrap a sheet around yourself for modesty, but don't wrap it all the way around because we really want to see your bum. <laughs> mm. The person I, I was watching it with thought Brad Wesley was her dad, so <laughs> I didn't come across very well to them. <laughs> please say that was one of your kids. Strangely, they're really? not allowed to watch Roadhouse. No, what? <laughs> Yeah. You need to expose them to stuff like this early. God, you're right. I should take parenting advice start... from you. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> but you need to start with toughest man in the world and build up to that, it. They were allowed to watch that. There's nothing in that. Yeah, we <laughs> I was six. I was six. Okay. Mm. There we have it. Those were the two movies, The Toughest Man in the World and Roadhouse. I guess we can make this quick this week. <laughs> Which movie is the winner? Can I start, Chris? No, Vicky starts. Oh. No, all right, Alex, you start. Roadhouse, I know you want to. Vicky. Roadhouse. Great. (laughs) So there we go. Uh, That is Roadhouse has won this week. Do you want to add something? Because I'm pretty certain that's all we need to say. Roadhouse is the winner because it's an actual film. Yes. Yeah, but do you want to know the final score? What score? What do you mean? Well, if it's three votes or two votes to one. Oh, fine. Yeah, what would you have gone for? If the toughest man in the world had ended where my videotape ended, Mm -hmm. it might have been in the running. Really? But it's not. And it didn't. So Roadhouse. Great. Three for three for Roadhouse. (laughs) A brilliant film. That is the winner this week. Roadhouse. On to next week's show. Um, Vicky, it was your turn to pick. Enlighten us. Where are we going and what are we doing? Okay. So, Chris, can you put your phone down, please? Um, You are (laughs) getting 1974's Dark Star. Oh, John Carpenter. And Alex mm. bringing you bang up today yes. with 1999's Galaxy Quest. Okay, okay. <laughs> Dark Star and Galaxy Quest. Cool. Interesting. That is interesting. And I do, I cannot think of the connection off the top of my head. That's worrying. <laughs> Maybe uh, you can, dear fight fans, if you can and you want to get in touch with us, either about uh, the toughest man in the world or Roadhouse, any thoughts on those, uh, get in touch uh, or indeed about Dark Star and Galaxy Quest if you know what the connection is. Chris, what are the details? So you can hit us up on Twitter. We are at ClashPod and we actually have a new email address. So forget what we said in week one and two. The email address now is show at ClashPod.com. That is show at ClashPod.com. Cheers for listening and please do subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This was a Stakhanov production. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. 
It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.